fair to say you simply flooded the system with money? Yes, we did. That's another way to think about it. We did. Where does it come from? Do you just print it? We print it digitally. Look at what it means. This is why I'm saying, like, this is a lie that's been purported by Wall Street. The lowest rates, everything gets better all of a sudden. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. What about hard work? What about it? You work hard. Gods were like 30 to 1 against me. Yeah, I mean, there are very few people that, from my neighborhood, you know, in my environment, that make it out. Uh, I mean, forget about being to be successful, to make it out alive. Lie, lie. Top of the top. Welcome, everybody. Uh, back again. First time listeners, last time listeners uh, to the Trading Places podcast. I'm here with my guys, Rashid. What's good? Swan. Yo, what up? And Rush, baby guapo. <laughs> good morning. What's going on, man? How y'all doing? Love. Man, how was y'all week in the markets this week, man? It was... Uh... We saw two two straight days go down. I didn't think it was possible. Yeah, it was indecisive all week, man. It was indecisive all week. I feel like every every day was kind of like pretty volatile, um, where it, the market was trying to figure out which way to go. And maybe volatile is not the right word because the, the trading range was smaller. But they were the days they were flipping from positive to negative to positive a lot of times. Even Monday and Tuesday, they were trying to make up their mind. And then I didn't know we were allowed to have two down days in a row, but we did um, on Thursday and Friday, and we'll see what next week brings. Mm. I swore I thought we was gonna get some vaccine news dropped at any second Friday morning. Cause it seemed like every time the market looked like it's reversing, here come Trump with some type of headline, or Mnuchin with some type of headline. Uh, but yeah. But we just had vaccine news on Monday or Tuesday. They couldn't use it twice in one week. Come on. So you gotta election. pull another card. Let me see it. Let me see another card. You can't just play spades back to back. Oh, the new card is the stimulus that we supposed to get. Nah, the new card is election. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Expanding that. Which one? As it gets closer to election time, and Trump wants more numbers, you're gonna see him talking about different things that you know it's gonna excite the American people. Maybe it's stimulus. You know, maybe it's more jobs. <laughs> maybe it's that he's helped more black people than any president. Who knows? <laughs> Yo, who knows? More so than Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. He's going to claim that he helped the market hit all-time highs twice. Take that, take that. Every president did. <laughs> Literally. Market's only gone up. Man, that's a good point. I didn't even really think about that. Well, except well, well, yeah. In our lifetime, though, who's been responsible for the greatest, uh, you know, uh, stock market performance? I, I think in our lifetime, it's probably. Uh, you said who? Would it be Obama? I don't, I don't think know. so. I'm speculating. Are you know. saying, are, are we talking presidents or are we talking about the actual cause? I'm oh, I'm just talking about presidents, like under that administration. 
Who I, I mean, it would have to be it would have to be the Obama administration because he came right after the 08 recession. But now it's Trump, right? Mm. It just it just goes in in concert because the stocks aren't going up, the dollars going down. Right. I mean, the, the market is pretty agnostic in regards to politics. Right. I don't. I disagree with that. You think so? Why? The market has to factor in geopolitical risk. I don't think it's agnostic. And and then how does that how does that display itself in the market? There are certain equities that are directly impacted by the outcome of certain bills in Congress. Okay. So if, for example, let's say on Monday that they announce. Um, they're going to push ahead for federal legalization of cannabis. That will send cannabis equity skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. That is a result of a political action. Right. Now, from a trader's point of view, and I get it, it depends on whether you're an investor or a trader. If you just are trading technicals, yeah, you're not considering. I know people like that. You're not going to consider you know, the geopolitical landscape and how certain things that are happening across the globe can affect um, the price of equities or stocks for those out there who not doesn't understand what I, what I mean when I say equities. Uh, but it just depends on what's part of your trading plan and what you consider, you know, as important indicators and what you're measuring. Like, for example, I'm very bullish on DraftKings. The outcome of legislation that they are putting forth in certain states can increase the value of DraftKings if they're able to enter more states. Right. So are you talking about individual individual equities or, or the market as a whole? I'm talking about it seems both. like you're more geared to it because when you're looking at the market as a whole, I mean, the consistent trend regardless of whether the left or right has been in office has been up. But in respect to individual equities, I agree. Obviously, legislation can affect the performance of individual businesses or individual sectors. If somebody 86 Trump tomorrow morning, the market will crash. Would it? Yes. <laughs> Why? A president being assassinated. All right. Um- <laughs> I mean, we've had it assassinated before. Did it crash then? I mean, I, I don't remember. <laughs> But I mean, the, the, the saying that the market has done nothing but go up is not correct in real terms. I, I think that's more correct after getting off of um, getting away from the dollar system. I meant the gold standard. And like in terms of like the last 50 years, I feel like that's more correct. Um, I feel like there was actual more economic growth in the period before that that was driving the market up. Um, so I mean I, I I think both of you guys are saying things that are basically correct. Like it seems like Rush, you're talking about um, just a macro perspective, just like monetary theory, huh? No, no, go ahead. Yeah, it seems like you're you're saying just like general broad market macroeconomics. The trend is generally up. And that's because, you know, not the stocks are necessarily going up, but the dollar's going down and stocks are priced in dollars. Yeah. Um, and, and what you're saying, X, I think is also right because, you know, on an individual basis, like Rush was saying to you, 
um, yeah, like things can happen that you have regulated industries where, you know, if regulation gets pushed a certain way, that affects the outcomes for those particular industries. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's pretty I mean, much. But, but, but I but understand. I, oh, my bad. Go ahead. Now, I was just going to say the theme is that the president doesn't control the stock market. It's it's the monetary system, and that's the Federal Reserve. You know, it's the it's the dollar. And I think you made a good point that the market is going up in nominal terms. So now, yeah, relative to us in our day to day living, though, that's important because we still transact in dollars. But if we move into a world where that's not the case anymore, uh, it's a different picture. So. I, I just pulled up an article in, I guess, USA Today, and it said that when JFK was shot and killed in Dallas, the market cool. plunged 2.8%, um, but it recovered two days later. Wow. Yeah, so it didn't really, right. it didn't have that crazy of an impact. Yeah, it says it regained, regained all of his losses two days later. Right. I mean, it, it'll be sudden and steep. Like the market will react to that news, and that's basically what I was getting at. But uh, it wasn't to say that Russia you're wrong, because I can understand why you said that, right? Like you are not factoring that in, right? You're the charts guy. It's not about me, in my opinion. It's just about what I'm looking at. That too. <laughs> so, um, when I yeah, when I was speaking, it's just kind of like yeah, the market does react to that. It's not to say that the market is going to stay down forever, but it does have, you know, those type of events do cause market shock. I mean, even weather can directly impact, you know, how certain uh, equities perform. Right. I think what you're getting at is the complexity, right? Like, right. Russia is zooming out from a macro perspective, sort of just right. looking at the broader economy and how things are moving on a general basis. And when you zoom out over the long term, like the stock market chart is up and to the right. It's undeniable. Um, yeah, he's what, right about that. And what, you're, and what you're pointing out is like, yeah, but like there's a lot of people who believe there's a lot more involved. And because of that and because it is, you know what I mean? It is supposed to have some sort of right. And at the end, cash flows, I mean, assets are supposed to be tied to cash flows. So stocks are supposed to. So. You have a lot of people who, who believe that. So all these other factors, you know what I mean? Like in the short term, you have news flow and people react. But when you zoom out, you know what I mean? So what I'm saying, both of you guys, I think is right. But what, you're, what we're really getting to is the fact that, um, you know, it's not really the policies that matter the most. What really matters the most is what's happening to our dollar. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. Yes, um, we're gonna t- we're gonna touch on that in, in, in a couple of minutes because we're starting to see the dollar dip, and we saw earlier this week Mnuchin talking about protecting the dollar, kind of somewhat subtly like ringing the alarm. Um, but before we touch on that, this morning in the Wall Street Journal, the headline that just stood out, popped up at me was everyone's a day trader now, and so it talks about. You know, basically the Robin Hoodies, right? They're bored. It says that they're bored, isolated, and out of work. And ever since the pandemic hit, millions of Americans are chasing stock market glory. So this is like Wall Street bets on overload. And they're bragging about it online. 
They're going to things like Reddit, you know, they're hashtagging their gains. Um, you know, stonks only go up using hashtags like that on Twitter. Um, E-Trade announced that they opened almost 300,000 retail accounts just in March. Yeah, they had a record. Them and TD Ameritrade both had record quarters. They're having record quarters during this time. Right. Do you think this trend is here to stay? Will retail remain um, interested in this asset class? And you know, this is a crazy topic that you brought up after what, what we just were talking about, because I feel like what's been perpetuated is the long-term view of like, hey, stocks go up. And that's what's happened. And that's what Rush is pointing to, because that's been true when you look yeah. at it and you zoom out. That doesn't mean that in those individual periods, people haven't gotten destroyed. Yeah. Because that doesn't always happen in the near term. And in fact, when you have, you know, really big transformative events like this, and then you have retail people come in with a bunch of weekends, like we talked about, um, mm -hmm. you know, last week where they can't really afford to lose the money, um, crazy things happen in the short term. So a lot of people is right. dangerous, it you is. know, it's, it's really dangerous for a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people are playing a lottos, right? Um, they have like a very narrow view. They're hopping on the hottest thing. They're chasing momentum, which you should never do. I mean, you can trade momentum, but you gotta be smart about it. We saw that with Tesla, right? Tesla got driven up pre-earnings to what was it, 1700 a piece? I think something it was like that. Yeah, and it was a crazy and, amount. And Elon Musk was saying it was over, he tweeted it was overvalued and it was like 800. Remember right. that? Right, no, I do remember that. That wasn't too long ago, but it feels like it, because 2020 just feels like it's been- It was like two months ago. 10 years packed into one. <laughs> <laughs> like, bro, there's certain things that I have totally forgot about that has happened, right? And these same day traders are still driving up a bankrupt company in Hertz. Like, why are we even allowed to invest? Why are people even allowed to invest in bankrupt companies? I feel like once they file for bankruptcy, shouldn't they be automatically removed from the market? Like, why isn't that? I, I don't know the answer to that, but I don't I mean, understand. no, that's not, no. I mean, because nope. bank bankruptcy is just a, is, bankruptcy is a legal thing. It just basically wipes out the old shareholders, you, you restructure the debt, and then you issue new equity. So that's why it does, just because you have investors in the market who don't know what they're doing, doesn't mean you shut the market down. Well, well, I wasn't advocating for shutting the market down. I was saying that, okay, well, so- you were saying take them off the list. You you're saying unlist them. So yeah, there's a market for their equity. Yeah. What I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like you have, you do have investors who invest in these type of companies professionally. You have a bunch of distressed investors who have that mandate. So because, right. and when I say that mandate, what I mean for everybody out there is you have a whole group of asset managers who raise money on behalf of pension funds, endowments, basically a bunch of big money investors for the very reason to to invest in distressed assets. And that's their entire fund. There's billions of dollars in there. So yeah. what I'm saying is yeah, just because you have retail investors coming right. in, not knowing what they're doing, doesn't mean right. you eliminate opportunities for funds like that. Yeah, I mean, usually I see these opportunities in a private equity market, you know, to buy distressed debt or distressed companies. I guess I just never knew. I was I was never really privy to the fact that 
um, you still have public market participants that are doing the same thing. Isn't that what vulture funds and vulture investors do? Like, they buy up failing companies? Yeah, and they get board seats and then they make change. Like, it's, you have private equity and you have public equity. In these situations, you have structural change because the reason they're in bankruptcy is they failed to manage the capital um, efficiently. Right. So you have investors who are like, hey, you're doing this stuff wrong. And they come in, they get board seats and they, ch they make noise and they make change. Um, so there's a whole market for that. So that's why it's not delisted. But that's the thing is you have a bunch of people in the market who don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to talk about. Like, do y'all think that these retail investors are just riding the wave and as soon as there's, there's a massive, if there's a massive market correction, they're on to the next thing, right? They're on to whatever. If they have doing. enough money, a lot of these people Being are already babies. financially stretched. Yeah. Like a lot of these people don't, they don't, it, this is a bad, this is a bad situation. We talked about this, the effects of social media, the effects of a whole generation not having wealth, feeling cheated, not really knowing what to do, now at home, seeing, you know, all the propaganda on, on uh, TV about how stocks can only go up. This is a mess. Mm. This is this is a social mess, and I, I I hope that this doesn't end as badly, you know, as it as it can. People who are already you know like on the brink of out of work, it's just a bunch of people who realize that a nine to five for them isn't really cutting it, and they have to do something else. They have dreams, you know what I'm saying? People want to do something bigger. They want to set their children up for something and they feel like, you know, the system of, you know, go to school and and get a job and, and work for 40 years. They, they're seeing how that's worked out for their parents and they're, they're questioning things. They're like, well, do I really want to do that? And they're trying to figure out, they're trying to find answers. And then they have YouTube, you know what I mean? And people are paying them ads about how they've quadrupled their money in three days and how much money they're making. And it's just human nature. It, it's a it's a system where people right now are preying on human nature, right? Preying on the sheep's that's, that's soon to get slaughtered. Um. So yeah, I just thought that was interesting that you know Wall Street Journal is highlighting these people, and we're seeing like a record number of accounts open on these online brokerages. And something that really stood out from um, the person that they had highlighted in this story. This is a quote directly from her. This is not a joke, I'm not making this up. She said, I feel like Sonic the Hedgehog, Hedgehog collecting my coins, <laughs> said the 36-year-old real estate agent from Maryland, referring to a video game where a character collects gold coins. They're treating this as if the stock market is their Sega console. Hey, maybe if she was talking about Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the crazy part is that like, I would say that as far as retail's usage of financialized instruments, the U.S. is pretty behind globally. Um, I know like overseas, there's a big market for this. They'll have like trading bots or like you'll, you can assign your capital to a trader and basically they trade your funds for you somehow. But I think we're just getting up to speed with was been a trend globally for some time now. And I think that the COVID or coronavirus pandemic really jumped that off. 
I think I think the next bull run in crypto may jump that off as well with some of the oh, DeFi sure. technology. Sure, sure. I can definitely see that. And let's let's remember, Coinbase is scheduled to go public later this year. I think that's going to be the most parabolic stock Robinhood has ever seen. That's just my prediction. I don't fucking know that. Like I'm not Miss Cleo. It's just my like. I just have a strong feeling that a lot of young people are aware of that name and they say, oh, well, this maybe will allow me to get exposure to crypto. I mean, that may, that may be one way to play it without having direct exposure to crypto. If a bull run is happening, you know that Coinbase is collecting on those fees. And I can't reveal my sources, but I know during the height of the last bull run, someone that I know that was at the company, was no longer at the company told me at the time in peak 2018 they were seeing i mean a lot of fucking money on fees at the top of 2018 it got to the point where it was like north of 40 million in fees per month is, is coinbase considered a decentralized exchange though no right? no no hell no you think Brian Armstrong is the CEO? That's yes, absolutely. Um, and they custody, they custody assets. And when I say custody assets, what I mean, um, in, in in crypto, you have your private keys, and that's how you recover your crypto. So you can you can give up the responsibility of having to keep up with that and losing your private keys. If you lose your private keys, you lose your crypto. So what what they're doing is they're creating a market to where you can give up that right and also that responsibility for them to do it for you and then you know you'll and they'll basically take care of it for you but that's kind of what a bank is and that you know that's a little bit different than the the long-term i think envision of crypto for the people who created it but the issue is that you have people living in the world and the people who created it can't dictate human behavior and what they need so we'll have to see how it all plays out but i think that just because people are used to banking, that'll help with mass adoption. People will be more comfortable, you know, having somebody else look after their crypto. They have to worry about, you know, worrying their seed phrase of, you know, how many, their words they have to recover. And if they lose it, they lose it. You know, it's no getting it back. I think though, Amer a lot of Americans they just like the easiest thing. That's why they will right. get into crypto once, like, you know, I don't know, maybe when banks start adopting it, which I, I I read an article earlier this week about, like, you know, banks are thinking about- oh, It's coming. Yeah, doing It's that. coming. You think that's gonna bring some competition to, to Coinbase? Uh, for sure, I mean, they already got competition. It I is. Mean, yeah, I mean, it Square is in the ads. No, it's gonna be competitive. It's definitely going to be competitive, but they have a million Bitcoin. So they have a massive bet on Bitcoin. Like if Bitcoin maintains its value and nothing takes Bitcoin out over the next call it five years, you know what I mean? As long as they stay up to date on having a large amount of the reserves, they got a head start. You know what I mean? Wait, they, they have were a million early. Bitcoin on their balance sheet? Yeah, they have a million Bitcoin in reserves. Hmm. So like out of the 21 million, they basically have like a little bit under 5% of the Bitcoin that exists. Wow. So, That's like coin, so Coinbase isn't going anywhere. Right. 
That's interesting. I wonder how much Square got. I mean, because a lot of people invest in Square just because they think that they'll, as crypto grows, right, the Square's power will grow. Well, know? I mean, Coinbase just so early, they had a monopoly. They had them. They were basically the only place you could buy crypto for a while in the U.S. You know what I mean? So they had they had the advantage of being an early entrant and accumulating an asset that is skyrocketing in value, where they can just hold on to it and they're becoming a lot more valuable in the process. What's so crazy is that in the early, yeah. What's so crazy is in the early days of Coinbase, Brian was basically going around Silicon Valley, San Francisco, begging to give people one Bitcoin, or just begging to give it away. Oh, shit. I wish he was doing that in best style. <laughs> like, um, and I, I had just arrived. There was a company also called Buttercoin uh, that sent, that was sending out one whole Bitcoin. I no longer have access to that email, but yeah. I wish I did. I still have one whole Bitcoin sitting out there. But this is when the asset price was so low. And they, you know, and they're kind of doing the same thing now. Coinbase is doing that now with their earned product. So something to keep a keep an eye on because you can earn, you can get free money right now on Coinbase by, you know, doing their little earned product where they give you basically close to $150 or I don't know the exact number in free crypto, but those assets might really turn into something very valuable. Like right. And I think people may be ignoring it because people it's so be sleep. People yeah, be sleep, bro. Like every, I've sent that link to so many people who haven't done it, and it's like, right. yo, you can literally watch a three-minute video and get ten dollars of a coin that might ten x. You know what I mean? 10, 50x in the next few years. You refer four people, that's $50. If you talk about like 10x in from that, that's $500 and you watch the 10 minute video. Yo, I'm not, I'm not going to front. You know how uh, your, your intro to college, like, you know, your orientation, sometimes they have banks to, to get people like, that don't have bank accounts to get their bank account popping. I wish like Coinbase and Gemini would start showing up to those orientations as a guerrilla tactic to, you know, get people on the crypto. Yeah, but you gotta understand those are not the type of organizations that's gonna really get in the field. They're just not. They need to they out. need to they need to hire outside contractors to do it then. Well, you got to Well, here's the thing. I, you can't even open up a Coinbase account without a bank account. Right. Yeah. So if you're unbanked, it's quiet for you. You have to, you know, go buy from somewhere offline, maybe an ATM. Um, maybe maybe I'm, I'm talking about it in the wrong way. I feel like they need to target college students. Because like, they're going to be the ones that's going to be using it anyway. I mean, we got a long way to go to make uh, crypto more accessible. The, I mean, the uh, the wallet addresses still look like some shit from a, uh, I don't know, like some cryptic language, it's, right? It's not simple. It's not as simple as like a cash tag, but yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, just to get into, you know, the meat of things, we're seeing like, you know, getting back to this dollar going down, um, and, I, and Rush, I would love for you to chime in here, just given that, this is your, you know, this is your your, your area of competence, uh, your circle of competence. What do you think is going to happen with with the dollar? Um, um it's going to get in the support. next several months. Next several months, 
several months, years, weeks. Um, I know like probably in the next couple of weeks, it's gonna get some support at around 94. That's that's me looking at the DXY, so that's just saying that it's gonna stop selling off. Which if the dollar stops selling off and it finds support, then we would look at equity prices selling off just because of, I mean, a lot of these shocks of the market are, are really driven by liquidity. So people need cash and people need dollars, so they sell assets. So I think that if the dollar strengthens, kind of like your boy was talking about Mnuchin, we'll see um, another shock to the market. But I don't, I don't think that'll happen soon, given what happened to the dollar this past week. But we'll see. Gotcha. Well, we see something else exploded. Gold. You know, I think Nipsey yeah. predicted this years ago. He said it in his song. Watch the value of the dollar drop and gold explode. Mm -hmm. And we saw gold tap, 1900. Mm -hmm. Could possibly be headed to two racks. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man, it's happening fast. Real it's fast. Real fast. Silver. I mean, quicker than I even thought. I mean, silver too. Don't leave silver out the discussion. It's gone from like, 19 at the end of last week to 23. You know what I mean? That's dollars an ounce. And I expect that to continue. So how would you play this? I mean, how, I, how I'm playing it, like I said, man, like I have, um, I, I would recommend having the physical thing that you can hold if you don't feel safe. You know what I'm saying? Doing that, you can get a safety deposit box. You can you can do a bunch of things. Um, you know, just think about it. And the other way to play it is miners. So like you said, the mining stocks. So Barrett Gold, um, First Majestic Silver, Pan American Silver. Those are some of the names that, you know, that I would look at. And one thing you have to be careful about, um, and I, I'll, I'll do a, I'll do a more thorough update on this maybe like a month from now as this becomes a bigger issue. But a lot of the miners have mines in other countries. So with this issue we're having with a dollar, you know what I mean, where it's affecting other countries, the only recourse they have is to take the gold, or to take the silver. Yeah. So it's possible that they nationalize, you know what I'm saying, some of those mines. So I would say, you know, be careful with the miners because there is a risk and you have to make sure that the mines are located in countries that that's not a danger of happening. Mm -hmm. And a lot of stuff is changing so fast that, you know, it's a lot, it's just a lot going on. No, you're right. Um, and if jobless benefits do indeed disappear after, I think the, I think the, uh, the original day today. So if they disappear after today, I think that can impact uh, the dollar as well. And that should be fast. It's impact the what? It might impact the dollar as well. Mm. What, what, what would? Extra, it's like the, the jobless benefits, the like disappearance. Yeah. Mm. The unemployment. So I think we got close to 20 million or 25 million Americans. They're going to lose that extra unemployment benefits. That's next crazy. Week. That's crazy. Yeah. It's getting spooky, boy. It's getting. You guys, spooky. you guys, um, familiar with um balance sheet recession? 
Nah, talk. Not talk that to term. Nah, talk to the people. This um, I don't, I don't want to butcher this dude's name, but basically, he, it was a guest that was on Real Vision, uh-huh. and they were speaking about uh, what happened in Japan in the 1990s, and how essentially their recession was driven by companies taking yen, I guess, to um, pay down their corporate debts, which obviously was deflationary because you're not putting that money back into the market. And he was referencing that to where we're at now as, as far as people taking money and putting it into savings accounts and not, and not redeploying it back into the market. And I think to X's point that as these benefits dry up and people, there's a lot more uncertainty, I think there will be a lot more uh, desire to save. Which, again, as you're beginning to piece these things together, that would drive the strengthening of the dollar. Just because people aren't so readily to redeploy it, people are holding on to it because they just don't know what's going to happen next. Well, but what are you saving? Because inflation is what, 2% a year? And the Fed promised that well, the thing it, it has been what you're saying, Rush, you're yeah. looking historically yeah. at what's happened. And I think the fundamental difference about the injection of capital this time is it is going directly to people. Yeah. And a lot of these people actually need it. Yeah. So like in the past, the people that have gotten it, you know, it's been corporations and stuff like that. And they're still getting a majority this time. Yeah. But I feel like there's more and more people who realize, wait a minute, there's a there's a money printer. You know what I mean? You can just make it up and you're taxing me 30% on a little bit that I have and I'm living paycheck to paycheck. And you can just create money and give it to people. Yeah. Do more of that. And I want more. And you know what I'm saying? You see all the unrest in the street. It's possible that we move to a world where more and more of the distribution of new money is going right into people and then it goes right into goods. So it's possible to have deflationary um, in one sector of the economy and then inflation in another sector of an economy. What sectors would you see inflation in? Like food and things Mm -hmm. that like the the everyday necessities that that people need. So like where this excess money is going to, where we're not producing more of certain things, like we're not getting more efficient and producing food like we, we we had looked at the budget last week how much we're spending we're literally spending 1.7 percent of our federal budget on food we're not making advancements in these categories to drive efficiencies fast enough to offset the way that we're putting money in the system right. and historically it's been trapped in these financial institutions but this time i feel like one the fundamental difference is that more and more people who actually need the money to pay for their basic necessities is rising. Yeah. And that and and we can so we can still get that deflation you're talking about in places but also have a real very real inflation show up in areas where it matters the most for everyday people. Facts. Facts. Right. And, and it's I mean the Fed is supposed to be meeting next week but I don't know what's gonna come out of that meeting, uh, just because, you know, like I said, like last month they said rates will remain at zero through 2022, and I don't think we're gonna see for a lot of industries a full recovery until 2022, 2023. Like the airlines. You're gonna buy everything. Boy. <laughs> you seen that chart, bro? It's I'm crazy. The, um, the chat. What chart? Oh my god. 
it, it showed uh, the Fed's balance sheet relative to the S and P. Yeah, we'll be at ten trillion easily by the end of the year. <laughs> it's absurd. Well, but it's just unlimited. It's, it's unlimited. <laughs> it's but this like, is why you got people like Elon Musk who's coming out, who's benefited from this, you know, corporate socialism, who's saying, I don't think another round of stimulus would be good for the U.S. or the dollar. You tweeted that out. Elon Musk did. Yeah. Elon, Elon's like white Kanye, man. You can't really take this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But it, like, it literally, like, you look at 2008. It's, it's like the, the balance sheet ballooned for about two, two to three years, and then from then on, they just slowly rolled assets off the balance sheet until now, and it blew right back up. And it'll probably blow up some more. Um, and then if they can sustain it, they'll just probably just do the same thing again. Begin to roll assets off until the next crisis. You know what? I think America needs an industry to help it transition from this, you know. Because everything right now is transitioned from industrial to more white collar things. I think that industry is uh, marijuana. I was just about to whisper that. Cannabis. <laughs> But we're not ready for that yet, man. That's not a criminal link, man. I don't know. Seven states are voting for it in November. Bro, it's happening. These states are broke. It's going to be a states' rights issue, but I think full blown national legalization, I don't think it's going to happen until 2020. Bro, look at how fast we're printing money. And we're broke. <laughs> Marijuana is about to be legal, bro. They should. I mean, yo, the it's government be being able to bounce back from edibles. Talk about shooting from the half court yeah, shot with a swish, and, yeah. and they need to open. They need to open that game up, yeah. honestly, for research purposes as well. I mean, we're already seeing the decriminalization of psychedelics in certain cities across the country. Like, we can't really truly do research that can have true, like, real therapeutic value until they legalize it. I was just looking it up. So, New Jersey, Mississippi. South Dakota, Arizona, Montana, Nebraska, Oklahoma. Those are going to be the seven states that's going to have it on the ballot. Wait, Mississippi is vo is voting on a dope use legalization? Um, hold up. Let me pull it up real quick. Uh, medical. Because uh, that would be crazy. Medical marijuana. Oh, all right. Medical. All right. I was about to say, you could blow down. So, recreationally yeah but you know i feel like medical marijuana is just a stone throw from you know recreation yeah the real difference is just taxes but that's that's another conversation for another day uh next week we got tech earnings coming up um i'm of the belief that we're gonna see a trend down from tech earnings because you have Apple that's closing stores, right? They also announced that they're pushing back the release of their um, phones. So there's uncertainty around that. No telling what's happening with Google, but we know that 95% of their revenue is based off of ads, advertising budgets, uh, and spend typically go down during you know, economic depressions. So I'm not so bullish on the tech sector. But I could, you know, that could just be me. Uh, I think we we saw these, the price of these companies go up 
over the past 30 to 45 days to unsustainable levels. But I think the truth is going to come out next week. Yeah. It's like uh, the indexing, you know, I think 25% is 20 or 25% of the entire S&P 500. So the 500 biggest com- companies in the stock market, 25% is that of that is made up by the five biggest tech companies, which is crazy. It's Amazon, Google, um, Facebook, Netflix, and Microsoft. And it yeah, is the crazy. Only two I'm, the only two I'm kind of bullish on, well, no, I'm very bullish on Amazon because I think they're benefiting from COVID, right? It was a tailwind for, you know, online, you know, grocery delivery and things like that. And Microsoft, just because they've become an enterprise company and they have so many government contracts. But the others, I'm not so sure. But I do believe the market is waiting to see tech earnings and that may determine whether we continue to go up or we see, you know, I'm not gonna say a massive correction. We, we see a slight correction in the market. Cause I, I don't know if we're gonna see a massive correction again. Yeah, I mean, so I actually used to think the same thing about Amazon. I think it's an amazing company. I was talking to um, a mentor the other day right. and he was telling me, so he has a technical background. And what he was saying is he was just like, you know, all of these things rise and fall. Um, And, you know, probably another company doesn't take over Amazon, but it's very possible for technologies to evolve to where it makes Amazon obsolete. So what I mean by that is this move towards decentralization. So the same things that's happening in the financial sector on the blockchain, and things move into being more decentralized. What he was talking about is the idea that you can have technologies evolve that are just as good as Amazon and be in a decentralized form 10, 20 years down, 10, 20 years down the line. Well, who knows what the timeline looks like, but just how fast tech is evolving and then the shift towards decentralization is possible because, you know, most of all of these companies, um, you know, value is an expected growth. It's expected growth and then the profitability from it from that. So it's future earnings. That's why they're so big, is because they dominate these markets and there's nowhere else to put the capital. We know that technology is awesome. But if in these next innovations or these next iterations of the technologies that matter, they're happening in a decentralized way because everyone is building, not just at this company, everybody's contributing code, everybody's building off the top of everyone else's innovations and people are advancing as a society in a decentralized way, and we're getting all of these products, it can take out a lot of the, well, he, his argument was that that could take out a lot of the value of Amazon over time. Mm. That's interesting. Cause like right now, Amazon is the king of e- e-commerce, right? So like with decentralization occurring, right? When, if a decentralized market comes out that's competitive to Amazon, like, you know, meaning that like goods and services could be exchanged on this market. Um, I wonder if it will be competitive enough to take it out. Mm. I mean, it remains to be seen. There's already been companies that tried to disrupt Amazon. That was Jet.com. Well, we're not talking about companies. That's the thing is Amazon has, but so Amazon and Facebook and Google, they're going, they're actually going to hearings like right now 
with you know anti-competitive legislature, basically saying, "Tell us why you're not a monopoly." And this is where we're getting as a, to as a society. Like the the internet was such a breakthrough innovation that the business model that we had, where you have owners of production, what we're starting to realize is that like the people who own the code and own the data, this is a completely new paradigm. You know what I mean? What I mean is it's, it's a completely new way to think about business. And we, we just let it go because that's how our markets are. But what we ended up having, having now is five companies make up for 25% of the S&P 500 because it's that dominant. And this is they have these competitive moats um, just around the data. So now what we have to do is like we, we've allowed this to run. This is new innovation. This is new technology. And we're trying to figure out how to how to make it work for us. As you know what I mean, as a society. So it's clear that that's led to companies getting really, really big and that maybe not being the best thing for people on a day to day basis in some respects. So we'll have to see how it all plays out. Nobody knows, but it's definitely a complex issue. I, I, I would like to see something as what I described earlier become competitive with Amazon and the reason why I feel like Amazon is killing Amazon Walmart they're killing small businesses they're not killing the bodega not yet I mean you're talking about so bodega is, is a culture of one city but if you're talking about the United States as, as a whole yo it's killing it yeah New, oh, New York looking rough right now too yeah New York is looking mad rough. <laughs> yeah, Brooklyn, like it's about to return to the 70s in a minute. I mean, <laughs> the lawlessness. I mean, and and again, this just leads me to the next topic of, all right, so the stimulus bill that's being drafted up by McConnell, Turkey Neck McConnell, is going to be released next week. Uh, they're saying it's just going to be another $1,200. So the last time we got $1,200 to people who qualified for it, that was what, May or April? It was, it, the first round got distributed on April 15th. They passed the legislation at the end of March. Right. So, so and they said that that was enough. That was enough to keep people sustained. For, they said exactly like three or four months. And that's like, it's crazy. They stuck with that. They stuck with that. Because I remember they actually came on CNBC and said that. They were like, this is $1,200. They should be good for like three or four months. And that just goes to show how disconnected they are. And then when they asked Mnuchin, well, how about you do an experiment where you try to live off $1,200 over the next four months? He said, I'll decline. Man, yo, for a country built on Christian values, this is a shame. Jesus fed the multitude. What are they doing? Bro, this administration does not stand on Christian values. The only time we've seen Trump even talk about Jesus is when he walks in front of a church, holds up a Bible, and says, look, I love God. He did the same thing on Cinco de Mayo when he shouted did, out the Mexicans. Didn't and he said, shoot tear gas? Didn't he shoot yeah, tear he gas into in. the audience to, <laughs> to clear the way right. to do that? Right. Come on, man. That whole, <laughs> the whole Christian values thing is just a front. We know it's a front. We know it's a front. Because if, if, if they were so stringent on their, on their Christian values, okay, what about Lindsey Graham? Come on, man. 
or Lady G as they call him. He's trying to cover up his scandal. Yeah. Cause he out here moving nasty. But you know, God forgives. Um, but yeah, we got the we got the stimulus coming out, and they're saying they may cap it at a forty thousand threshold. They may give more support because studies show that um that they've been impacted the most those that belong in that bracket (laughs) but you know some dumb shit will follow when people start off as any so a study show and trump even admitted well you know the extra unemployment benefits yeah it provided a a lifeline but I, i don't agree with doing doing the same amount again we may bring it down we may slash it in half by 50 percent if that happens or let's say we don't get this next you know people don't get this next stimulus until right before the election i expect all out chaos Mm. more people will be robbing banks more people will be running up in whole foods taking all of their all you know all their products more people will be running down on targets the walmarts i mean it seems like we're there when i log on worldstar Yo, the fact that you still go to Warstar in 2020. I didn't even know that Warstar was around anymore. Really? Uh, I No, I didn't know it until you started sharing links from there. No, I didn't man. even know people still uh, uploaded content to Warstar. I thought everything Worldstar was just... Gets, you know what's crazy? Warstar gets a lot of things before the regular news actually posted. They just post the raw footage. They'll post the raw uh-huh. footage. Like, That's why I still look at it sometimes. Yeah. Just, it, it aggregates it aggregates like things that are happening. Right. And it, it pushes it out in a in a way where it's centralized and you know what I mean saying you can kind of just scroll and see like, oh, boom, somebody just submitted this like six hours ago. Right. I'm gonna have to check it out. I'm gonna have to get in the time machine, go back to 2009, man. Um, I spent a lot of time on World Star College probably a little bit too much but I mean yeah they give you the real rap news and I think we are seeing people protest I mean look what's happening in Portland uh, Trump is sending in the National Guard I almost forgot about this so Trump is sending in the National Guard to places like Oregon Chicago Albuquerque New Mexico because of the lawlessness and I didn't know he had the power to do this without the approval of um, the governors there of those states or the mayors of those cities. I didn't even know he had the power to use. He, he may not. He may just say, fuck it, I'm going to do what I want. Because that's what he does anyway, right? This is the same guy who says that if he loses the election, he may just stay in the office and call it fake news. <laughs> he said this. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not making this up for jokes. Like, he actually said this. They asked him, well, will you, will you leave? He's like, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. So he has to be removed by force. But who's going to remove him by force? Because it seems like majority of the intelligence community is scared of the motherfucker. He, he has a grip on him. Wild time. <laughs> it's, it, it's some real wild times. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens with this new stimulus bill. Let's see what McConnell puts out. Let's see what Pelosi comes to the table with. Because uh, people are out there hurting. People, there are some people out there who have stories of still not getting the unemployment after being unemployed since January. You know, you know, February, March. 
it's it's really unfortunate. You you're supposed to look after those people, you know. But what, what happened? We don't know what's gonna happen. Um, well, what they're debating is instead of the extra six hundred dollars a week, an extra one to two hundred dollars. So like oh. they're talking about cutting it significantly. Um, in this next round, so. They're talking about one-time checks and then this extra one or $200 to replace the $600 a week. Mm-hmm. So that means going from $2,400 a month that you have to live on to going to four to 800, somewhere in that range. Pre-tax. That's a big, that's a big, that, right. That's a big drop off. I don't know if it's tax. I, I can't, I don't know. Um, but that's a big drop off. And the other thing is that in this, so over the past 18 weeks, We've had 18 straight weeks of over a million people filing for unemployment. Wow. And if you add all of that up, that's 52.5 million people in the past 18 weeks have been fired or laid off. Now, that's not the unemployment number because a lot of those people have gone back, maybe a third, 40%. We'll see what the jobs number is at the end of the month. It'll be wrong by some magnitude, but we'll look at it. It'll be directionally you know, hopefully more helpful than a month old number. But what that means in the psychology of people, so if there's 165 million people in the labor force and 52.5 million have been laid off at some time, that means that's a third of the market has been at risk. A third of the labor market has been at risk where they've been removed from their job and they have some level of uncertainty about what's happening. And this is in the last 18 weeks. So to think that's not gonna change consumer behavior in an economy that is 70% based consumption, there is no V recovery and we're printing money and giving it to people to sustain this. I think inflation is inevitable and what's happening is this accelerating what's going on in crypto. This is happening so fast that the game theory is kicking in. Countries left and right, you know, are starting to let crypto in because things are off the rails. feels like yeah, a, right. a chapter out of one of these dystopian future books. It's crazy. I, I was uh, I was reading maybe like two, three years ago, this book um, called Brave New World, which they recently turned into like a TV show. And like, when I think about like the crime that's going on, um, I think about like, it, you know, there was this part of the book where it's like they they visit this area called the Savage Lands. Savage Lands was like you know this part of, of the world that never progressed. Like so, like crime is still going on. Like all the crazy shit that you know what they felt like uh, the rest of society progressed past is still going on there. But like we're seeing this now. Yeah, I mean it's it's scary, man. Uh, just to think about, but you're right. Like what she said is speeding up, you know, the adoption, mainstream adoption and acceptance of things like crypto. So one of the things we saw this week was U.S. bank regulators greenlit crypto custody for banks. So this is a very significant event. This is probably one of the most significant events since this asset class was created 10 years ago. Um, and it appears as if the banks here in the States are now cozying up to crypto. Now, this was greenlit by the same guy who I believe was at Coinbase, right? Or, or correct me if I'm wrong. 
Um, yeah, he was the chief legal officer at Coinbase. He's now um, the, I think, the head of the um, office of currency of the comptroller. Um, I might be butchering that, but I, I think that's the division. Right. So clearly, yo, follow the money. Like real talk, follow the money. Yeah, his name's Brian Brooks, and that move was made in April. So, you know, that was kind of the beginning of the writing. And now they're saying, you know, U.S. banks can hold crypto assets. And this is this is them conceding. In my view, what I think is happening is mm. that we're, de- we're, we're devaluing the currency so fast. The game theory behind cryptocurrency is playing in. You're starting to see, like, China make big moves in crypto. And China has 65% of Bitcoin mining hash rate. So, like, they're dominating in terms of, like, where Bitcoin is being produced. But I mean, a lot of it is in circulation now and we obviously have some here too. Um, but I think what, what the US is realizing is that if they're, um, if they ban crypto and the rest of the world starts using it and that ends up being the dominant thing, well, the issue about taking that stance is that now you're the one without the crypto. I think- and if that ends up succeeding, you're as really a vulnerable place so they're starting to realize that like they can't stop it because it's global and go ahead it's too late for them to stop it that that's the thing like they had a chance but they kind of played the fence and so now it's like it's too far gone like it's developed out of their control yeah because russia's getting more friendly with it too now like it's all this week you know, you said Rush is or Russia? Russia. Russia. Oh, okay. Got it. Russia, China, <laughs> Iran, like all of our in like all of the countries that are that the US seizes its highest like adversaries are are starting to make moves in it. And that's the game theory is like you is the US you can't allow that to happen. You can't afford to allow that to happen and then lose. Yeah, you can't afford to take a loss. I would challenge y'all to think of what that looks like on the other side. Oh, what do you mean? Ethereum, huh? No, what do you mean by that? I want to understand. Yeah, so like as as we have all these other nations uh, becoming more welcoming to cryptocurrencies, as, as domestically our banking system adopts cryptocurrency, what does that look like? Does it still look like a decentralized? Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Like, I don't know. I'm not necessarily saying that things end up being in this utopia of yeah. how things were supposed to be designed. But what I am saying is I think this stuff is starting to f- feel like it's going to be inevitable and you don't want to not be a part of it. You want to you wanna cash the money. Right? Yeah. You ain't lying. But don't hold your, your crypto with a bank. That goes against, that's like the antithesis of what crypto is all about. Put that you're going to have to. I think that's what we, that's the point where- Oh, you think it's going to be forced? You think, you think they're going to like? You think they're going to no, like I'm ban not, ledgers? I don't know. I don't. I'm not speculating on, on that front. I'm just well, saying that as far as where crypto is going to most heavily be adopted, or, or most of the way, I would agree with that. Be, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's going to be in probably central banks and larger institutions. Yeah. It also, it's not far fetched for them to ban ledgers. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. 
How are you going to ban a flash drive? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't either. Man, they better back the fuck up. It's good. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, no, you can make this money. So I'm, I'm going to be like these forest dudes and be like, yo, go, go get your bag. <laughs> all right yeah i mean they get to it man salute uh but Don't yeah I, i'm not i'm not trusting my crypto with a bank i'm, I'm not either but there's going to be a group of people who uh who that will work better for like remember you said you have a, a whole bitcoin floating out there you know what i'm saying so it's a lot of people who will get into the space who aren't going to care enough to want to like spend, you know what I mean? Like when I think about how much time I've spent in crypto now, just over the last six months, you know what I mean? Like people aren't going to invest, like most people just don't care enough to invest that type of time into doing what they'll need to secure it. Man, it would be crazy. Yeah, if you have a pension fund, you're like, yo, point me to the nearest bank. This is this is a crazy thought. It would be crazy if you know they might have their own division. That unclaimed crypto eventually becomes a part of like unclaimed funds. Like because I mean, Bitcoin is something that people can obviously track and trace. So why can't they just put that a part of like unclaimed funds? They would need the private keys to the address that it was sent to, probably, right? Yeah. That's true. I don't think they can get access to that. Um, but but you know, the government got tricks up their sleeve. These states, they got tricks up their sleeve. We, yo, why the fuck is New York State trying to tax unrealized gains? That's crazy. <laughs> they crazy. must really How want people not that? to live in New York State no more. Yeah. How do you even tax that? You, exactly. How do, do you, do you get, get deductions tax? on losses then? Unrealized losses? I don't know. You get, carry it for, you get to carry it forward to the this next one. This is the work of AOC, man. Yeah. I really, I'm not going to speak on her, but like, come on. She already ran Amazon out of town. Yo, they're making it very, so like, when I look, New York is the financial capital of America, right? It's the Empire State. It might have to change its name after this. <laughs> Yo, if they do something like that, it's going to be very difficult for you to build an empire there. Or if you have an empire for you to even want a business of that there. It's like, who's going to want to deal with that? Billionaires will get the fuck out of Dodge. All right, they're bouncing. They're going to go to Wyoming. Kick it with Kanye. I mean, or Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, they're going to go to Connecticut. They're going to go to Connecticut or Jersey. One of them states will take advantage of that. I, I don't see Cuomo, like, pressing for this, but it seems like AOC's been, like a vocal advocate for it and it's not just billionaires it's everybody will get taxed on their unrealizing games i believe i might need to right. fact check myself but people stop, stop blaming billionaires for your problems bro <laughs> uh oh like, man listen man you, <laughs> you know, you're not listen hey, bro you know how much money they printed this year rush going into some dangerous waters right now. <laughs> I'm just saying, bro, like, in the words of GC, stop being a little... <laughs> Watch, you're gonna get hate mail. They're gonna say, oh, you're protecting the billionaires because you wanna be one, like, better be careful. 
you, you better be. You just, you just get to it, bro. I mean, you just take it. And get to it. But <laughs> I want to talk about this so bad. I want to talk about this so bad, but I can't. Like, I just can't because it's gonna, yo. Know, this I could go on for hours about this, but like, I'm just not gonna do it. But I do want to talk about this. It just seems like there's a blame game. It, it, it's almost as if every billionaire is stamped with, well, you inherited that money. You didn't work for it. Right. You can't just lump people into categories. Right? Everybody's an individual. You have That's some billionaires. Right? I mean, you have some billionaires who I feel like it, you know, people's, um, people being upset is justified. You know, like these companies that are getting, that are just closer to printer, they've gone bankrupt and they're getting bailouts they're getting grants it's like those people right. yeah like that's messed up but then you have a lot of billionaires who are billionaires because they've produced so much value for the world so you know what i mean in either in either situation you worrying too much about it isn't helpful um, stop occupy watching yeah it's just okay. i mean it's not helpful everybody gotta just do what they can do it don't really matter like it, it matters in the grand scheme, but at the end of the day, we control we're in control of our actions and what we're doing. So it's like the billionaires, like just that that word. It's like clickbait now, because they know they're gonna get someone from a different pocket of the internet that's still mad from Occupy Wall Street that's gonna go in there and rush the comments. But it's even the millionaires. People are getting upset at millionaires. Like. Fuck the billionaires. You have people who started a business, might be seeing a couple million a year, and um, they want them to get taxed out of existence. What's the phrase I keep hearing? Eat the rich? Well, that's because people, it's psychology of people. We've gone from a society of where, where people's values and beliefs were like, you know, you, you work hard and I want to be able to, um, People had a lot more personal responsibility, I feel like, before. And where we are today, a lot of the mentality is like that the government should play a role in basically establishing baseline levels for society. Like a lot of people have more belief that the government should be doing more to protect them, or the government should be doing more to make sure that things work appropriately. And I feel like in older generations, their beliefs were like, everybody should just do the right thing um, or do their best and human nature takes care of everything. I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong, but um, I tend to lean more that we all have control over our lives to the majority, you know, for most things. Right. Right. And there's some people who are born into unfortunate circumstances who do not have control. But by and large, those people that we saw at Occupy Wall Street, they just look at the government as the sugar daddy. Right. But it's top down too, though, because to Rashid's point that there's a lot of corporate socialism that goes on. So people look at that and like, why don't I get my piece? Yeah. Right. Because it's unfair. That is unfair. Yeah, that is justified. So I think, yeah. I mean, it should be all just, let's get, if we're going to be cap capitalistic, let's go all the way. You know? Right. Right. And I do have a problem yeah. with that. No, because but I feel like what we saw was anti-capitalism. Well, America we literally came in and saved dying companies that should have just been dead already. Can we honestly say that America, America's never been a hundred percent capitalist? That's a fact. 
Because, yo, if it was 100% capitalist, a lot of these companies wouldn't be around. That's the thing. Is it, A lot of the governments, it's the same objectives no matter where you go. You know what I mean? And I feel like the fact that we do put more more I guess faith in the government today is an issue like I I, I know I said before like uh, that I'm not saying one way or the other I, I do feel like it does present an issue because the governments are people and they have incentives just like most people and in a capitalist society or in a society where resources get you things then the people who have the resources can move a society through influencing that small group of people in government and all societies, no matter where you are, do that to some extent. And that seems like that's just what it shapes up to be. And over here, we have a, some part of the spectrum that's more towards capitalism, but ultimately all of them serve the same goal. No, it's true, man. I, I just, and I don't want to go too much on this. Take care of the people that need to be taken care of, but you people out there who are anti-capitalists, but then got the nerve to send me your link to your Shopify account, fuck out of here. <laughs> you can buy That's this car for an SD. Right. If you hate capitalism so much, just And I'm not saying that capitalism doesn't come with flaws. It's clearly a flawed system for sure. But I see so much um, contradictions in people. I'm a staunch fucking capitalist and I'm not apologizing for it. <laughs> Period. So if you got a problem, hit me up. We can talk about it. I'm going to block you anyways. All right. <laughs> that was a little crypto, tra Transition to the crypto corner. Um, this stat really stood out to me. No, I'm serious. I'm going to block them. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> he thought that one. This 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 stat stood out to me. She brought this up to me, and I and I didn't even realize. First off, I didn't even know it had crossed a billion. <laughs> Three point five billion is now locked into DeFi. That was as of when we talked about this on Thursday. I don't know what it is now, she. But DeFi is really taking off, um, and it, it even caught me by surprise. I didn't know that much bread was locked. Yeah, we have four billion now. We're at four. <laughs> yeah, so, we're at four billion a day. This is what I mean. Like, so we're at four billion. Tomorrow it might be four point five. Tuesday it might be six billion. And, and the chart is straight up. Like in June, June first it was a billion. July first it was two billion. And now here we are, at the end of July, we have four billion. And like you said, it was three and a half billion two days ago. Why do you think that is? Like, is it just because of, is, do you think it's just because of hype or people? Nah, people are realizing that this is unstoppable. People are like, that's why the banks are saying we'll custody the assets. And in our current system, you can't get a yield. People are starting yeah. to realize that you oh, yeah. can get a yield. And when I say yield, what that means is a percentage of your money. So by having your money sitting there, like in your savings account, you can't get any interest on that in the traditional financial system. In DeFi, you can actually get a return. So if you believe these cryptocurrencies are some are money, then this is a way you can do it. And what we're starting to see is more and more institutions get into the space 
and more and more people. You know, people have been doing their research on this stuff, and it just takes time because it's it, it's space moves so fast. It's hard to keep up with. It's it's really hard to wrap your head around all this stuff. So. I think what we're starting to see is more and more people get comfortable with the risk and starting to figure out how to price the risk and yeah, money is coming question. in. How um, do you price that risk? It's technical, like, man. Like that? that the thing is, like, I'm not completely comfortable with it. Like, I'm still doing my research. Um, but like it, a lot of the risk is technical because like these things are getting hacked all the time. Like some of these, some of these protocols that, that are, you know, so DeFi is the buzzword, but some of these protocols are actually centralized in some ways. So it's just, a, it's a bunch of different companies, but the thing is, it's innovation, right? What, 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 what I understood when this, when crypto really clicked for me is when I realized that it's kind of like the internet for finance. So it's basically when, when the internet was created, we didn't have native payments in a smooth way. And now we're sort of rebuilding that in a decentralized way with payments integrated at the core through blockchain. So we're, we're, we're redefining communication and how business is working from the internet to blockchain. And that is a huge movement. And the thing about the internet is in order to invest in these internet companies, these internet startups, you had to have enough money to be in a venture fund who could afford to participate in the round. Now, all of these things are just launching tokens for liquidity and they're doing this you can you're literally a, in this world you are a vc investor in one of the biggest shifts in technology in that's our like life because that works both ways what was that that's like a double-edged sword it's a double-edged sword, sword because you, yeah. it's massive bubbles are going to be created in this space exactly. massive bubbles like it's going to be crazy and the thing is we're going to have to see if we can survive all of the ups and downs or like what happens. Um, but yeah, that's the thing is because everybody can, everyone is basically a venture capital investor and, and through with a- With high liquidity. With high liquidity. It's gonna drive insane bubbles. Mm. So you gotta be careful, protect yourself. And, and for those out there who don't know what DeFi means, it just means decentralized finance versus centralized, which is someone like a Chase Bank or whatnot. Or like, you know, there's no one in control. It, so like Occupy Occupy Wall Street was a bum ass decentralized movement. <laughs> is it possible that some of the centralized finance is moving into decentralized finance for the long term plays of what they think finance is gonna look like in the future? Yeah, I think that's everyone's goal. It's a, it's some amazing thing. It's some amazing innovations happening in this space right now. Um, like some of the things I look at are Compound, um, Maker, we talked about Ave. I can we talked about Synthetics. So um, because of the history in some of these financial institutions in terms of, you know, blocking certain groups from loans and et cetera, et cetera, I could really see some of these um, big banks adopting some of this technology just to kind of wash away their sins of the past and being like, hey, you know, well, we're no, we had this issue in the past, but we no longer have it because we now adopt, you know, Ave or we now adopt Compound. And um, it's it's the code. Like, we can't do nothing about it. And maybe using it in a more nefarious way to do the same thing again. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I would have to say that. I think, and this is really speculative, 
but I think the thing that will drive adoption is use case and, and how well it can be regulated. Because I just don't see people whose behavioral pattern for years has been about control and abuse to change that now. Like, hey, it's all good. Everyone's in the party. I agree. I agree. The thing, the thing I would, I would add to that is that we're going to have to see what the um, extent of their ability is to, to do, do that, that. in a world where everyone can contribute to the protocol because it's open source on a blockchain. And then we'll have to figure out whether or not that'll even be true. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. who knows? Like, that's why I would say we have to educate ourselves to exist in this world. Like, understanding where you can check this stuff is invaluable yeah. because there's going to be a lot of room for lies. Or it'll centralize itself with a bunch of tech dudes. Right. That just push all that old money out. But the, the, the reason I say that, the reason I say it's possible not is because like you have programmers who are creating it. So like yeah. literally anyone can get a skill set and continue to create mm. alternatives. Like so what I'm saying is like you'll you'll have you'll have a community of people with a certain core amount of core beliefs. And it's like if somebody gets in and controls a network, you still have that you still have those beliefs that live on and you have a decentralized way of basically just leveraging all the work that was done from something else, forking it and fixing the things that made it decentralized. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. The fact that it's programmable yeah. and the fact that anyone who has the skills to do so can contribute. Can do it. Yeah, that's the that's the part that's different. But it's about training up the human capital now. Right. And making sure that that's, that more yeah. people can do it. Yeah, more people can even do it. Yeah. But that's what we're doing because I mean tech. I mean you see early tech adoption in human lives now like kids are using iPhones at five six seven years old and they're treating the market like they're used to things that function like a video game right so we heard about people trading crypto you know as early as 10 9 years old because it's like a game to them in a way Uh, so that's that's something interesting that's happening ETH announced that well one of the top programmers from the Ethereum project announced that uh, the testnet is imminent. And we saw ETH jump up crazy in the past few days. As of right now, um, it's currently trading at 28, uh, 286.50. I think it's headed to that 300. Um, speak, speak on ETH. Well, I mean, you already, you already know how I feel about ETH, man. It's the new king of the building. You know, like Bitcoin got to move out the way. Like, I mean, Bitcoin, you know, it got it's got its power. Don't get me wrong, but ETH is, I think, are going to lead the next bull run. And Rush, I know you were short ETH. I got smoked. It happens. I've gotten smoked too. <laughs> it definitely happens. I remember I was short Beyond Meat, and then that shit went up like sixty points. I almost went vegan because of it. Um, so. I think it's gonna lead the next bull run just because a lot of things are being built on ETH and majority of the projects that's in this DeFi world, you know, is a derivative of Ethereum. Yeah. So I don't I don't have any price predictions. You know, I don't know where You just gave one. 
Oh, you right. Well, I'm in, I'm in long term. I, mean, I don't know. You know, some people are projected like twenty thousand or ten thousand. Yeah, I guess you're right. I think in the in the, in the short term, it may see three. It may see three hundred. Not saying for sure, but you're right. Thanks for calling me out on it. Appreciate that. <laughs> nah, I mean, Ethereum definitely has the potential to be a lot bigger than Bitcoin. And it, it comes with certain risks. So what we're talking about with this uh, multi-site testnet is they're testing the technology in a controlled environment with in a private fashion. Um, so is, that'll go on for three months. And then if everything goes well, it'll be released to the public. So this is the part, this is why I call it, this is like venture capital investing because you're investing in technology. And you, if the technology works, then the use cases like Rush was just talking about for this to be adopted are clear on Ethereum. So, um, no, I mean, it, it would be incredible. So let's see. What are you seeing in the charts? Uh, let's, let's pull in the chart guy. What are you seeing yeah. this time? You know, has your position changed? You know? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I'm short till I'm long, and I'm long till I'm short. But I will say this: um, it is, <laughs> it is about being flexible. But it is at a point where it sold off big time last. Uh, what was that? February, March. So you always have to like the the best way to conceptualize looking at charts is to think at at this point, no one in the world thought that this asset should be priced any higher. Right. So if it gets back to this point, you have to think there's a lot of people that's sitting on the sideline that could sh still have that same sentiment. Right. So it's I mean, it's at a pretty pivotal level at, at that 285, 286 level. I mean, if it, if it cracks above that, I mean, it's, it's party time. And in the, in the last two days of the week look really good. Now, the thing about crypto is typically these work through the, um, they really move the most through the interbanking system hours. So you're not gonna see a lot of movement on the weekend, but I think starting Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you'll start seeing some stuff start to percolate and we'll just wait and see. Especially because we have stimulus mm -hmm. potentially. Next week? Yeah, so like this is yeah. a pivotal week because we have we have the earnings for the biggest companies in the in the world, and especially in the U.S. You know, with these tech companies that money has been piling into, they'll have earnings, and we'll also have the possibility of getting the stimulus stuff um, ironed out. Yeah. So we'll see which direction things pull, but this is pivotal. And then we also have to always consider that we're always looking at these things through the reference of the dollar. So we're typically looking at, to our early, early, earlier conversation, we're looking at these things in nominal terms, somewhat, just because they're, everything is priced in dollars. So a lot of ETH's movement from our perspective is relative to how the dollar can continue to, uh, well, how the dollar will perform in the near term. So, Visa, you know, announced that they, they outlined a playbook for the future of money via crypto. Like, 
can yeah, literally put it. Mastercard, Mastercard did something similar on Monday, and Visa came out Monday or Tuesday, and Visa came out like a day later. This all happened this week. Like the, the story about the banks, Visa, Mastercard, PayPal getting confirmed, um, China, Russia, like all of this was this week. That's how fast cash. crypto is changing. <laughs> oh, this cash, boy. Bro, this this space is this space is changing so fast. What's gonna happen to the dude in front of the gas station selling down bags? Wait, you need to get some Monero. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. What's gonna happen to Who's on the, the 16 year old working in the kitchen? How they gonna pay him? Hey man, who knows? I mean, look, it's inevitable. What's our what's our model? Adapt the die. You know what? Yeah. I can see more people. I mean, the government being really for crypto, and the reason why is it's traceability. Like people are gonna use that data to see how people are spending their money. Right. And you can tax every transaction. You can, yeah, you can tax like the dude that you paid cash to do the loan. Now that's a taxable transaction because. But that might kill certain businesses because uh, certain businesses that they, they thrive off cash. They, yeah. Because they don't. They don't. You know. They're not reporting all their income. Yeah, you're right. A lot of small businesses, sole proprietorships, restaurants. Right. There's still a lot of cash-only businesses. Especially right. if you're in They might be like, yo, bodegas. <laughs> keep this hush. Send me some Monero. <laughs> yo, keep this hush, though. Like, send me some Monero, and I, I you know, I, I knock a couple dollars off. <laughs> Look, I, not I even think that's what they're starting to see. I think that's what right. they're starting to see. Is that it's more beneficial to get in front of it and control the way that this evolves right. than to wait until it evolves further and then try to play catch up. I, was I think that's what governments all around the world are starting to realize. I was the IRS put out a request for proposal because they're trying to track these, you know, anonymous uh, coins like Dash, Zcash, and um, Monero. I was saying to Rashid earlier, if uh, if Monero survives that round, man, it, I mean, it's just it's gonna be undisputed. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> it might run up the price. I mean, Monero's already getting name dropped in popular culture now. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I, I saw it mentioned in Queen of the South on Netflix. You told me that some time ago, though. Yeah, she was like, "Do you do you take do you take Bitcoin, Ethereum, or Monero?" Wow. <laughs> and we also seen a ISIS-backed blog switch their donations from Bitcoin to Monero. <clears throat> so they're trying to intensify uh, their efforts to be able to trace the way, you know, who's moving money through Monero. If Fluffy Pony is right and Monero hits 9K, my goodness. Yo, man, I think- That's what he's doing, right? Yo, I forgot the he said, but it was something around the, uh, around the way of like, oh, I feel like Monero's really worth like this, like 9K. I was like, damn. Well, of course he would say that, because he wants to buy five more Automars that he was studying at the 2018 Bitcoin conference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah he was going around with a Richard Milley. I mean, but, but I mean, think about it. If, if that's the version of untraceable cash, 
like Bitcoin, they, so they have the same amount of Bitcoin and Bitcoin at 9K was like, what, $165 billion market cap? Right. So if that's the private version, like that, if it survives, then that sounds cheap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, just wait, just wait until the Zetas and all the other cartels, Sinaloa cartel, find out about Monero. They probably already own it. Hey, right. I mean, someone asked the question this week, why did the, the guys or the, or the girls behind the Twitter hack, why didn't they use Monero? Why did they use Bitcoin? Yo, a lot of these, um, a lot of those um, underworld, you know, groups, they get caught because they have boats and boats of cash. Like, you know, for real, like, cryptocurrency kind of helps them out. A little. But I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure, but that is what's starting to be pumped out. That if you're going to be a dark web actor, because I think the number of transactions is a, that are happening through Monero on the dark web is still very insignificant. Yo, so it might, you know, it might, it might see an uptick. Who knows? I don't the know. The flip side to that is, like, let's say, like, you're living in a country that has, like, constant civil unrest and you trying to find a way to preserve your wealth, right? Yo, Monero's an answer to that. Or like, let's say like, you know, you want to give like anonymously donations to like, you know, maybe like, a, 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 I don't know, um, a school overseas or something like that, but you don't want everyone knowing what you donated. You know, like that's another way. Like, Or if you are a business and you want to transact B2B, but you don't want everybody to be snooping on you. And have eyes on to all of your transactions. Yeah, pretty. Do do? Yeah, it doesn't have to be used for illicit purposes, and I think that's what's happening. I feel like I feel like illicit purposes are honestly the small, the smaller picture. It's the smaller picture for real. When when people uh, are arguing against the anonymousness of coins, and they're saying like the reason why they want to get rid of it is because of illicit purposes, I I I think. It's a very myopic view. Hold on, fam. Did you say anonymousness? <laughs> All right, anonymous. Anonymity. Anonymity. <laughs> yeah. You out here just creating words on the fly. The anonymousness. I was like, wait, hold on. I, I started to say something, but I was like, I'm gonna let this shit rock. Yeah. I was gonna let it fly, but it. I mean, hey, I'm cool with me corrected. I don't have no problem with that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, you just got correct. All right. Um, <laughs> on, <laughs> all right. On to the watch list. Obviously, we, we got Ethereum on there. We looking at that. Uh, we talked about some puts in the tech sector. I, you know, puts on Apple, man. I, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens with the earnings report. I also want to put puts on Lemonade Insurance. I love Lemonade Insurance. And I do think that the insurance industry is in need of innovation and technology. But I think their price right now is a little bit out of whack. Um, so maybe some December puts on that. What about y'all? What's on your watch list? Or if, there is, if there's nothing on your watch list, that's cool. But what you looking at? Um, it seems like uh, Rush is going long Ethereum. Welcome to the club. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, oh. <laughs> I'm looking at it. <laughs> oh, man. Like, you was looking at it. Well, take yeah. You said take a position? Yeah. <laughs> Best position is no position. That is a position. Oh, we 
Look at you. Come on, man. Okay. Facts. <laughs> Facts. You don't know what's going on. Wait for clarity. That's, that's not not wait right. for clarity, but continue to continue to work until you get clarity. Not wait. I need to rephrase. Wow, I've, I've been long for, for a long time on Ethereum, so y'all know where I stand at. My body. <laughs> Let me chill. Nah, I'm looking. I'm actually looking at some stocks this week. I know the people. That's what the people want. They want stock picks. So it's a lot going on with earnings. This is personally not where I'm putting my capital. I, I would rather have it in crypto. But some things I think you could look at are um, Starbucks, maybe, um, and Sprouts Farmers Market. Um, and I'm talking long positions for that. So I'm, I haven't put those on myself because I, I kind of think the market could go down. Um, and that's just not, that's not where I would rather, I would rather have my money in gold, silver, volatility, and crypto. Um, just because I feel like crypto, I'm getting more and more conviction by the day on crypto, just with all of the news that's coming out. Yeah. Um, I, go ahead. No, I, I, I was just going to say, I think gold, and, and probably crypto as well, but more so gold, just because of how mature of a market it is. It's, it's just such a good play right now. Because either which way you went, like, if, if things continue to inflate, it's going to soak up liquidity. And then obviously if things deflate or whatever, um, gold will still have value. So I definitely agree that from a conservative standpoint, gold is definitely it's a win-win. What about platinum? Platinum? Really? Yeah, we all know. It's a precious metal. Yeah, it's a precious metal. It, it went up. It, it, it definitely was up in the early 2000s because of Rockefeller, but I don't know about that. No. <laughs> Yo, clown. <laughs> I'm not talking about uh, for wearing ass jewelry. Um, Platform's using a lot of, uh, a lot of like, computers. I'm just fucking with you. This guy. Um, yeah, I got to look more into it. I really have not paid attention to Platinum since, you know, Jay-Z took his... his chain off so I really stopped paying attention but I was a kid then yeah um I got puts on a bummy coin as well bummy coin yeah it was put together by a group of programmers that are anti-capitalist so a bunch of bums came together and created a coin yeah <laughs> what's it what's it bummy coin I just put the gold shot. Yeah, that's dope. So, um, I hope that bummy coin fails. All right. Uh, any any other petty puts? Uh, it, yeah, I do. It's not too oh. petty. Yeah, 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 man. <laughs> Airlines. Breaking news. She's dumbest as a petty put. I think this is the first time this has happened. So everybody listening. All right, so here's the thing. These airlines, it's getting out of hand. It's ridiculous. (laughs) It's ridiculous. United Airlines basically came out and said their revenue was down 90% quarter over quarter. And then they also said at the end of the month, they were like, yo, people, because the cases are spiking, traffic is slowing down again. Our load factor last last quarter was under 40%, which means like less than 40% capacity. 
they can barely run the businesses as is. And they got $50 billion of grant money from U.S. taxpayers. And now they're saying, and the, the deal was not to fire people, and they're firing people now. As soon as they're el eligible, they're gonna start firing people on a mass scale, and then they're gonna get more money. And after that, after the news, American Airlines basically was like, we're about to raise some more debt. Basically, the Fed is buying our debt. So we're just getting bailed out, the Fed is creating liquidity, and the stock rose. And I'm not putting puts on it, but like, can we just have functioning markets? <laughs> Please. These companies shouldn't exist. Yeah. I go to our earlier point. Yeah, fundamentals don't matter right now, unfortunately. They should. But it seems like bad news <laughs> is a positive catalyst for stocks right now. A lot of companies. All right. Hertz announced they were bankrupt. Then a bunch of Robin Hoodies bought it up. <laughs> you know, Nikola Motors has never sold one fucking car in their life. But, you know, it's the future. So everybody runs out and buys, buys stuff. People are not looking at cash flows. So it should return, right? That's how it should work. But people aren't looking at it right now. Value investing is dead. Hopefully it'll make a comeback, but <laughs> how do you find value right now? Because everybody's just rushing in off of momentum, really. And what's the hottest thing? Mention my Jim Cramer. By the companies closest to the printer. That too. Yo, has anybody seen Scott Wapner lately? <laughs> nah. I don't watch the news lately. I just noticed, like, CNBC is not at him all week. Petty put worked. Yo, you got him out of Dodge. <laughs> Word. Hopefully he don't come back with that just for men perm in his head. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think that's it, man. Y'all got any shout outs that y'all want to give before we get on out of here? Shout out Eve Gang. Shout out Eve Gang. Shout out to Monero Gang, too. Not that I know anybody from there. Ooh. Allegedly. <laughs> and Cardano while we at it. Yeah. Yeah, you, shout out to Cardano. Now that I have a position. Whoa. <laughs> what happened? Uh, yo. Yo. Oh, here you go. Come on. <laughs> you cracking jokes. Now you, you flip side, fanboy X. No. <laughs> first off, like Russ said, you know, I'm short until I'm long, long until I'm short. Hey, I'm picking my man's bars. That's, yo, we should trademark that. Real. <laughs> Don't nobody steal that out there. We might put that on the show. Yeah, man, you gotta cut cut the mic off. Cut <laughs> <laughs> the mic. All right. Well, before we get out of here, as y'all know, investments and securities can involve great risk. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for financial advice under any circumstances. Please consult with a licensed financial advisor before you purchase or sell any stocks. Um, or crypto, you know, talk to someone that's knowledgeable in the space. This is what they do as a career. We're just here to give free game, conversation, and education. And with that, we're out. Peace, peace.